You are listening to Let Them Eat Avocado Toast, a podcast dedicated to offering a no gimmicks and ethical approach to building personal wealth and overall adulting with your host, Kristen Atherton, brought to you by Camex LLC. Hey girls, as usual, I'm Kristen Atherton, your elder millennial big sis. As promised, we will be talking about all the different types of compensation you get along with your paychecks. Now, I'm remixing the structure of this episode a little bit today. My good friend April Keys has come to visit me from back home in Texas. April is kind of like my big sis, Gen X, but like a young Gen X. So you girls are about to get some intergenerational banter bullshit from us today. So um, yeah, buckle up and pour the champs. So, April, welcome. Thank you. We are um, talking about company benefits, so all the shit you get from your company that's not a paycheck, right? Right. Um, So, what are some of the things you can think of? What are, like, some of the different ones? Medical, dental, vision, life insurance, supplemental life insurance, supplemental, uh, any kind of supplemental insurance policies, cancer policies. Yeah, you guys get time off in your job, right? Time off for what? Anything. Personal days, sick days, vacation <laughs> days, medical leave, FMLA, maternity, paternity, unpaid time off, any of that shit, right? That's all considered a benefit. It is. Uh, yeah. Most days. <laughs> Most days. Not when you have to beg for it, though. Well, I mean, that's we a whole other story, yeah, right? <laughs> but, but, yes. You get things like um, bonuses, like, at least from, from, like, a corporate standpoint, we've seen sign-on bonuses, relocation assistance, restricted stock units, like, a, an annual merit bonus. Sometimes there are annual merit raises, which is a whole thing. <laughs> um, if you're at a startup, you could get like equity in the company, you could. right? You could um, maybe retirement accounts. Your y'all's is different, right? Yeah, we're pension. Very, Pe- very different. Mostly pension. Do you have any four hundred three b at all? Four hundred three b, but that's something I had to initiate myself. It wasn't something that was provided for me at the beginning of my career. Oh, that's so some I, shit. It is some <laughs> shit. So that's what I was, you know, you have to go out and seek out these things like a Roth and, you know, any kind of retirement things, they don't provide for they you. Didn't pr- so you guys had to do IRAs, mm-hmm. but your uh, 403B, they, you can get that still through the school, but you had to seek it? Mm-hmm. I had to seek it. Huh, they fun. don't provide any of that for us. Huh. Just, just that lovely teacher retirement system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess so the other ones I didn't have on the list, tuition reimbursement, that's an option for some companies. Um, and then, believe it or not, your unemployment, once you leave the company, that's actually something companies do provide and pay for. Um, that would be things like when you go to the state and try to collect unemployment, like the company actually has to pay for that. And then they pay some level of like COBRA benefits, which is like your insurance and stuff, but... Some, some of it, like your disability, long-term disability, short-term disability comes out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about those. I didn't even have those listed. <laughs> yeah, that's some experience with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I, I kind of looked at that as like medical leave. So I guess I blanketed it in yeah. my brain. But yeah. Um, 
Let's see, I guess where would we want to start? Let's start at unemployment because that one won't take long to talk about. You know, if you get laid off or if you um, leave the company, like you can get like unemployment insurance through the state, but that's paid for by the company. It's, you know, the company pays the state in order for you to be able to collect on that. Um, and then you could get COBRA benefits, which your company usually covers. Um, not always the greatest. Like I'm, I'm on COBRA right now. I think mine runs out. So I got laid off in 2020 in October. And for some reason, this COBRA is available still to me. Um, but it's definitely going to be gone by October of 2022. So it's a two year deal and it is not fucking cheap. Like I'm paying like 650 or something like for being unemployed. I can really afford the 650 a month for unemployment insurance, but Gotta have it. Yeah. Yeah, they made it that way, right? It's like mm-hmm. somehow illegal for you to not have it mm-hmm. or some bullshit. It is. Whose fucking idea was that? Well, that's oh. a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other show. Whole oh, other topic. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, let's see. We'll we'll transition that because that's like, you know, when you leave the company because you're unemployed, and then if you leave the company because you retire. Um, I already did, like, a whole episode on retirement, well, not retirement, but, like, 401k, 403b stuff. Like, I talked about how much you want to be saving for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we won't get, like, dive too deep into that one because that's, like, a previous episode. I forget which one. Um, But pension, that is an option. It's, like, slowly dwindling, especially Mm -hmm. from corporate America. Like, you'll see more 401k, 403bs than you will pension plans. Um. But if your company has that, that's definitely something to look at, like, especially if you're looking for a new job, like, comparatively, like, so um, you would look at both the 401k options and the pension plan that the companies have available. And usually they have some level of, like, vesting period, which all that vesting period means um, for the people listening is just, you know, you have to stay with the company for a while, before you can access it. So usually it's around three years. That's a pretty typical vesting period. Um, So basically they don't want you to jump ship after a year. They ain't going to give you shit if you do that. They're going to be like, you know what? You didn't stick with us. Fuck you, motherfucker. (laughs) At least that's how I feel like they're going to sit around in HR and say it because HR, I feel like at some point HR people are going to run off and be like, fuck this motherfucking bullshit, you know? But like at work they're like, and also another thing, we cannot talk like that to our coworkers. That's just not acceptable. And I don't know why you're not here at eight o'clock and one second. I mean, it's you're like a whole second late to work. And if are we gonna have to worry about this becoming a habit? And if it becomes a habit, it's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I love, I have some friends that are HR, but for fuck's sake, like, HR is a scary place to they be. Are. <laughs> I'm a little bit afraid of some of my you friends that, that are in you HR. You hear that phone call and you see that name come up on your caller ID, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, God. What did <laughs> I do now? It's like going back to the principal's office. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't yeah. do it. My boss is an asshole. It wasn't me. Yeah, it's never me. I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's see. So we'll take off from the retirement stuff because we have, you know, those are benefits. Look into it if you're gonna like go work with a company. You do, you do need to know what they are yeah, for sure. Um, some of the things that you get during employment. Um, 
This one's not going to strike anybody as an actual benefit, but it's still something you need to think about. Um, and that would be like the office perks. Like, what kind of fucking coffee do they have? I know that sounds dumb, but like... Do they provide cups and sugar? And do they provide sugar and creamer? <laughs> Are you going to have to bring your own? If you bring your own, do they have a fridge where somebody else is going to steal your motherfucking creamer? Yep, that is true. Because you God have, damn it, Karen! <laughs> you have a fridge in your office. Can, can you, you have a fridge in your office? Yeah, can I you mean, put a, a space heater in your office? Yeah. Because they keep the temperature too cold. Yes. <laughs> Any sort of stupid things like that. But also, like, um, when where I used to work, um, when I first started working, I was working at an oil and gas company in Houston um, at their world headquarters. And they had, like, a three-story state-of-the-art gym like, the first floor was, like, gym equipment, and, like, <laughs> like, the second floor was, like, like, mm, let's see, so, yeah, I guess the first floor was, like, all of the, like, whatchamacallums. Treadmills. Yeah, that like stuff, that. the, the um, cardio equipment, yeah, and then all of the, like, muscle dudes are all upstairs that were, like, in their 20s and stuff, you know, like. And then, like, they had a basketball court and, like, classes on the third floor of the gym. Major stuff, right? And then when I moved to my second job, I went to a field office. So, literally, I was excited to see that, like, that they started buying sodas after a while. Because at, f at first, they didn't have any sodas in the office, you know? Like, that was kind of some shit. And, and did they have a gym? Fuck no. Wow. You know? Like, they barely had an office. Like, yes. but then they got bought out by another company that had a gym. And my boss was like, you want to move to San Antonio for this gym, don't you? I can see it. And I was like, I don't yes. think you could pay me enough money to move to San Antonio. But, but the gym perk, you know, that's the gym is perk. nice, but I don't ride spin classes enough to make me move back to Texas for spin class. Truth. <laughs> so I was like, but you can send me to Denver. And he's like, yeah, about that. No, ma'am. Um, that didn't work out, so. But we're still here. But, you know, but, okay, but those are the kinds of things. Yeah. So if you're going to go to an office that doesn't have a whole lot versus an office that has a lot, yeah. and everything else on your offer letter is the same, I mean, that's, that may be your, like, you know, straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing, you know? Like, that may be the one thing that pushes you into that company is the office perks. Yeah, so. office supplies. I mean, that stuff's expensive. Yeah. Oh, well. And it adds up. I mean, God, I hate to say it on a podcast because I'm going to forever be beholden to this. And officially, I think that if you take office supplies home with you, even if you accidentally take pens with you, like, it's considered stealing company, um, uh, whatchamacallit, like, Property. resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, but like, I don't know a millennial out there. Like, I have a printer. You're staring at my printer right now. But I had to buy this recently because I could get away with printing literally every single fucking document I ever needed to print in my life at the office. Same. I mean, if it was something really sketchy, like, oh, my social security number is on it, I would, like, print it and then run to the printer and, like, stand there like a psychopath. And, of course, every time I had to print something like that... Somebody would have printed a, like, 500-page document right before it. So you're just sitting there. And then they would have printed a second 500-page document after it. And you just needed your one sheet. And you can't tell where your Social Security number is in between these thousands of pages that this asshole just printed, right? Like, Truth. shit like that. Anyway, we'll get off office perks. That's one thing. So the next one, you mentioned it at the beginning. It would be, like, insurance it. And, um... Yeah. 
I guess there were a few that I wanted to like really touch on during the podcast today. Like the biggest one I think would be medical insurance, right? Like I, I would say it's probably the most important. Yeah. Like there's so what are there's like a PPO HMO. HMO. I don't even know what they stand for. Like I don't either. I just know one you have to have a referral and the other you don't have to have a referral. So one you can go to any doctor in or out of network and the other ones is you gotta have a referral and stay in network and they have a whole network of doctors God, i hate that yeah that's so frustrating to like have to do the network bullshit and all the drama and they're like you're not in network and i'm like but i don't live somewhere where you have anybody in network yeah. and you guys set me up like this like it's mm-hmm. another so there's so many different plans i mean you've got this plan that plan the other plan deductible <clears throat> this deductible this come this you know it's just so many things and you have to really really Find the plan that fits you best. Yeah. Really research it and talk to somebody. I mean, don't just pick the cheapest one because you may end up screwing yourself in the end. Yeah, but you may want to pick the cheapest one. There's some truth in that. Um, Like, so my favorite, this is what my mom always told me when I first started out. Because, like, you know, like any good, you know, waspy child, I said, Mommy, what do I do? Oh, yeah, same. At, like, 22. <laughs> But she has some good advice, right? Like, and so I I kind of, like, that's where my brain is on this one is, like, a lot of places now will offer you this option um, called a high-deductible health plan. And so it's HDHP is what, like, is how they acronym it out, you know? Um, And that one usually, like, God, I want to say I had, like, a $1,200 deductible, which sounds astronomical. But um, if you think about it, it's like paying $100 a month, you know. And so if you are, this is how she put it, um, so I'm quoting my mom again. Um, But if you are relatively young, um, particularly if you're single, uh, like, but if you're, like, getting married with, like, another relatively young human that is, you know, and you're not planning to start a family that year, Like, you don't think that either of you are going to get sick. You don't think that either of you are really, like, setting yourself up to break a bone or have any sort of major (laughs) medical emergency. Like, you know, you're not expecting something drastic. With the exception of something drastic, you're reasonably healthy in reasonably good shape. And you shouldn't really need to do much more than go to the doctor for your, like, annual physical and, like, that kind of stuff. Like... Most of those plans cost more than like a hundred bucks a month, right? And then the other part of that is like you may not have to pay at all, right? So like the high deductible means that you'll have to go to the doctor and you don't get like a twenty dollar copay, you have to pay like the hundred and fifty dollars it costs to go to see that fucking doctor, which is like, ouch, that hurts. But like if you only go to see like three doctors once throughout that year and they're all $150 copays. You're only paying four fifty out of pocket versus having to pay twelve hundred out of your paycheck, right? Or like whatever the cost may come to if it's more than that for one of those bigger plans. So, like the reason that companies, I guess, um, want you to have that is because of um, like it's cheaper for them, right? So companies will pay part of your plan and you'll pay part of your plan. Like they'll supplement it, which is why my Cobra costs so fucking much, is because the company isn't supplementing nearly as much for somebody who they don't want working for them anymore for whatever reason, right? My position was eliminated. 
quote unquote, you didn't, no one else could see me do the air quotes when I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so they're pay, they're not paying nearly as much of my my shit. You know, they're probably paying like I don't know. They might be paying something to have me on their little cover plan, which is why they want to kick me off in two years because they don't want to keep paying toward it. But like. <clears throat> You know they're 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 just not near, paying nearly as much, right? So for the help, like for the HMO or the PPO, they're paying more right. than if you choose the high deductible health plan. They're paying less for your plan, and you're paying less for your plan. And so then they offer you this thing called like usually when you see an, a high deductible plan as an option, they'll also offer it with what they call an HSA, which is a health savings account, and those are pretty fucking bomb. I'm not gonna lie, like. You get to own that. You get to keep it. You could invest that money. It goes in before taxes. It's considered only medical expenses. Um, you get to spend it. Like you get basically a debit card to spend your HSA. So on any medical bills, that could be prescription drugs, that could be on a doctor's appointment copay or like visit, you know, cost. That could be to go to fucking massage therapy and get a massage like every month if you wanted to. Like seriously. There's so many things that qualify as a like weird medical expense that like you could use it for a lot, but you could also like I think you can add like up to three thousand thirty five hundred dollars probably by this point. I haven't been at work for two years, so I don't know how much you're allowed at this point to put into it as a single person. But um, I'm guessing it's roughly like thirty five hundred dollars um, per year that you can put away pre-tax into your HSA and then on top of that your company will usually add some amount of money into that um, something like $600 for an individual is what my companies used to do um, which means like they're still spending 600 bucks on me but they're spending less than if I went and wanted like a PPO or an HMO so it's like they're incentivizing me to pick the lower cost option for both of us you know but then I can add more money to my H my my HSA account. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about HSA is that you get to take that into the next year. You get to take it away from the company. You get to do anything you fucking want with it so long as it's a medical expense. If you don't, you can spend it on non-medical expenses, but then you'll pay taxes on it. The IRS will come after you for that. So don't do that. Um, but the other plans have something called an FSA, which is a flexible spending account associated with them. And that one's owned a little more by the company. And it expires at the end of the year. So if you know you're going to go, like, I don't know, have a crown put in your face, you know, <laughs> like you go get a tooth crowned, you can save up for that. You know, if you know you have a certain amount of, like, maybe you want to go get LASIK eye surgery, you can put that in there, save up for that, and then use it before the end of the year. Those are all things you can do. But people start to get real creative about how to spend their FSA because if you don't use it, you lose it um, at the end of each year. And so to me, that seems a little extra stressful like compared to the HSA. But um, there's something to be said for having like an HMO or a PPO or all the O's and shit and plans that they have out there that aren't high deductible. Um, and that's if you have kids, especially if you're like, if you decide, like, if you're trying to plan out a family life, like, if you're going to get pregnant or if you're going to have, like, little children, like, kids are sick all the fucking time. Like, you want to have something that's going to kind of cap your monthly expenses, be something a little easier. Like, this is off topic, but, like, I have, 
Like I use Banfield for my dogs and that's like a $60 payment a month. Like I think per dog or something like that. But that way when I go in, I'm not paying a vet visit. I'm not paying for all the different shots they get. Like that monthly cost covers all of the normal comprehensive things that I'm going to get for them. Um, and that's kind of like what, you know, a PPO or something like that does for kids is like you're paying all of that monthly and just keeping it in your bill structure rather than having all these medical bills come in and be just random and hit you in the face, you know, like every once in a while. So Very true. that, yeah, if you're just starting out, you know, high deductible plan, I would, I would strongly recommend it, yeah, but, but you're pushing towards like my age, you know, you're. Early forties, <laughs> early forties. You want to re, re reevaluate your medical plans and really look at what like what hospitals like because in certain certain plans only go to certain hospitals. I mean, my, my frame of reference would be like in Houston. You know, if you know, God forbid something were to happen and I would end up with cancer, one of our policies doesn't go to MD Anderson. They won't. They won't. You know, provide services there. You have to go to. I don't even know what the hospital is. Not. Not a good one. Um, <laughs> Bad Tom? Yeah, I don't know. It's not a good one. I don't, don't want to get bashed, but... but <laughs> I will. I'll take it. But, you know, so it's like you have to be very, very... Read the fine print on everything. I mean, it's just... You got to know what you're getting, what you're... You know, you're paying for it. It's coming out of your paycheck. Right. So, you know, get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. And usually, I don't, I don't know if you've had this. Like, the companies that I've worked at have had, like helper like systems to help you figure yeah, out what is. one is the best for yeah. you and it'll kind of like compare and contrast like but you have to like basically decide I think I'm going to spend such and such amount of money which of course you're just fucking you don't know you don't you really don't <laughs> but you can use their calculators to like say if I spend like up to this much this plan is cheaper and if I spend more than like I don't know let's throw out a random number fifteen hundred dollars yeah in medical fees this year, if I spend more than $1,500 medically speaking, it would be a hell of a lot cheaper for me to get like this PPO instead or whatever. Um, so that's, you can, you can look at it, you can find that threshold and see where it starts to cost you more or less, but I get a referral is twenty five dollars. You get the referral to go to the specials, and there's a code. God, that was there. the most annoying thing yeah. about the last plan I had is I had to get a referral for literally everything. And it, you know what? I take that back. It wasn't the plan. I set up the plan so I didn't have to get referrals. But the doctor's offices in fucking Albuquerque would not let me come in without a referral. They're like, no, no, you're gonna need to have that referral document with you when before we can let you in. I'm like, I promise I need this. Let me into a specialist. My insurance doesn't care. And they're like, but we do. Yeah, they want to just make sure they're not wasting their time. Look, bro, <laughs> I didn't call you for no reason. And if I want to give you my hypochondriac money, then why yeah. the fuck do you care? I don't know. I'm just, just let the hypochondriacs be. And, you take know, our money. just, take, our just money. take my fucking money. What is this? Not capitalism? <laughs> like, who guys, Who are you guys? Yeah, I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> <sighs> the next one I have is, like, the life insurance and the AD&D. Um, so, for those who don't know, like, I used to work in an oil and gas company, right? I had to go out to the field a lot. So, for that kind of company, um, we would have what was called accidental death and dismemberment insurance it's lovely right you just want to think about getting your arm chopped off at work but um 
Yeah, so we would get a, <laughs> both of those. And they were usually like um, the amount of our paycheck, mm-hmm. like our, our annual salary, not like our, you know, every other week paycheck, but they were the, the amount of my annual salary is how much I was covered for, for each policy. So I was already like covered. If I died at work, I had a life insurance policy and I had the AD&D policy, which would pay out both for, you know, my annual salary. So somebody, my beneficiaries would be getting twice my annual salary if I accidentally died at work. Pretty sweet already, right? Yeah, definitely. Now, I didn't have a family. I, you know, like, oh, I have family, like, as in my mom and my dad and my sister. But I don't have, like, a husband anymore. I don't have kids. Like, the only dependents I have don't qualify for taxes because they're <laughs> 10-pound dogs. Like, <laughs> they sure should, though. They should. You're not wrong, what the, you know I mean, what? I care for him, like. If I run for, if I run for office, I'm going to add that to my platform. See. <laughs> um, right, but they don't now, currently, at no, present. No. Um, <clears throat> but I guess, like, the biggest question there is, do you bother with getting more life insurance or more AD&D coverage? And I did. I opted for it because when I looked at our, the you know, company, if you want a company in air quotes, provided um, life insurance policy, it wouldn't be enough to buy a casket and put me in the ground or even cremate me for that matter. And so I went ahead and did a, 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 a supplemental life insurance policy through Transamerica, which is like a high yield, you know, savings account at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, when a policy runs out, I can either choose to cash that in or I can choose to you know, push it forward into the next chapter of life insurance, which is most likely what I'll do. Right. Um, But, you know, it's something that was there. It's been there. I've had it. That was one thing that was definitely suggested to me. You own your home, you own your, you know, if you own a home and all those things, you need to have that. So if you leave behind someone or something, it's paid for and then the beneficiaries can reap the benefits. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But that's definitely look at how much, I mean, corporate America is very different from public, you know, the the public sector. Yeah. Well, and I was making a good amount of money, you know, once upon a time. Now I'm making absolutely nothing. But, I mean, once upon a time, I was making good six figures. So if somebody's going to reap, you know, like 200 grand off of... (laughs) Off of my death, then you know, off with her head, I suppose. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just make sure you pay attention to what your life insurance policy is. And yeah. How, yeah. How much you're willing to pay or additional. I just opted for more. I opted for something outside of what my. <laughs> I didn't care for the company that my, that that you know, but we used. Uh, it didn't seem very. It just didn't. It wasn't right for me, um, and so I went off. Off the, rail, off, the, off the rails and did my own So thing. you didn't do it with the com- like with the school, but you did it yeah, on they pro- But you did get your own supplemental I sure did. Thing. They, yeah. they provide so much. Oh, we pay $2 a month for you to have, you know, $1,000 worth of insurance. Thanks. That'll, that'll buy the uh, catering for my party, you know, my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But we need, we need at least a keg at the funeral. Oh, like, should. somebody's got to do a keg stand. I mean, yeah. How the hell else are we going to celebrate my life if we're not fucking doing kegs? Yeah, and show champagne and I mean, all the things. But, you know. Yeah, I guess for the record, I don't want keg stands at my funeral party, yeah, either, but like, but I would like something. Classy. I would like everyone to be a lot sh- like just shit faced out of their mind at the end of it yeah, and have to get fun. an Uber home. But, but yeah, that's that's just you just gotta be cautious of what you're looking for. But that's the 
the elder in the room speaking. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing I've seen a lot on TikTok are people talking about how we're using, like, life insurance wrong. Like, I guess, like, the way that it's always been talked about is you get a policy and it's there for when you die. And it's to help with things like your casket and, like, your funeral and any, like, random expenses that happen based, you know, death-based ex- expenses. But, like, some of these people are talking about how you should pull out a pot, like, you should pull from your own policy now because they're there for, like, life. And, like, they're talking about using them for things like student loans and stuff. And I don't know how I feel about that. But I haven't done any research on it. And um, I don't want to make it part of this episode. But if you have seen that, like... um. Like, especially the people listening, if you've seen that on TikTok, too, um, I'm going to look into that because I am yeah. fucking curious about that. And you can bet if it's a good deal, I'm going to fucking do it. You know? <laughs> like, I think with my policy, I can pull out and use if I need it, too. But I just choose not to. Right. Um, but I, I, I want to know, like, why? Like, why should... Like, what the implication... Because they're not going to let you pull it out for free. And they're not going to be like, it's like a, whatever. It's like, it's like when you borrow from your 401k. It's, you borrow it. It's a loan. You pay yourself back. Yeah. Which is silly. In my in my mind, it's like... Yeah. And I guess the one of the... Re, one of the... Um, what's the right word I want here? One of the uses for that, the applications, mm-hmm. ah, that's the word. This is why I script myself is because I don't do words half the time. <laughs> One of the applications that they were talking about was pulling out from your life insurance policy to pay your student loan debt back because there may be a lower percentage rate associated with that. Or if you've got a crazy credit card debt, pulling out from your life insurance and then paying your credit card debt off, and then paying yourself your life insurance policy back at a lower rate and potentially a lower payment. But, again, I haven't looked into it. This is just something that sounds a little sketch to me, partly because it has never been discussed in, like, the public realm before. Like, no one really talks about that. And, like, I'm going to be real. Baby movers have done a shit ton to, like, get the world where it is today. And... Especially, like, the affluent boomers, like, they're really fucking smart with money. Like, that's part part of the reason that they can do what they're doing, you know? Like, but that's part of the reason this the world is in the state that it is today. Because they're so good with their money that they've taken it away from everybody else. I know. You know, that's okay. That's capitalism. And it's kind of okay. I mean, it's not that okay. But... But the point is, is like, they've done things a certain way and they've done them for a reason and it's worked well for them for a reason. And so I am skeptical to go against the way boomers have done things, but I'm not 100% a no to it. Because also, because boomers have done things the way they've done, our world is a different place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so maybe it takes thinking outside of the boomer box Mm -hmm. to be able to do things for ourselves as millennials. So, and Gen X and Gen Z, if they're listening. <laughs> woo! We, had, we won't have any Gen Alphas because I checked and they're like seven. Okay. So, <laughs> so I don't have to include them in this broadcast for now. Um, we'll get off the insurance piece. I am going to look into that, though, because okay. I feel like that would be a really great, like, whole episode is mm-hmm. to understand that better. and like Since it's becoming mainstream. And yeah, like, it's out since... There and- 
even if it's just t- TikTok rumors, TikTok is so good for that shit. You it's know, powerful. like it is so powerful. powerful. So, yeah, it'd be good to dispel myths or yeah, or say, yeah. There's good stuff in this. Yeah. So we'll move on to the next piece, um, and that is time off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's the face for? Was it? I, I think corporate America does so well with this. You know, you come into a company and you say, okay, you get. Your first year, you get three weeks off, let's say. You know, it's all kind of two, three, you know. <laughs> it's two. But, but, <laughs> they're but they're for, pretty bitchy. But for me, and I know people, oh, you're in education, you get summers off. But it's not the same. Like, like I have to plan everything like when everybody's off. Like, in corporate America, you guys get time off, and it's a week in August. You can do a week in December. You can do a week in freaking October if you hell if you wanted to. Yeah. But my time is dictated to me. And so my time is you have to put in for a request, take your time off, and someone above you says, yeah, you can take that time off or use that time. It's not yours. So yeah. be very cautious. Well, I will say that your boss does have to approve time off for you in corporate America, too. We don't just get to be like, hey, by the way, I'm fucking leaving for two weeks. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I'm telling you that today as I'm calling you from the airport. (laughs) Like, my boss would be like, "Um, you're fired. Like, that wouldn't work out. But he may not be like, you're fired, but he'd be like, "Um, go fuck yourself. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know how. I know there's an important amount of planning that goes into that. Yeah, but, but, but you're not wrong, and it's particular to people who are single because people with kids are also beholden to the school schedules Mm -hmm. unless they don't give two fucks about their kids having an attendance you know which some people don't or some people have decided that their children's experiences on certain trips are more important than them being at school um for whatever I don't know cool whatever the case may be um that may be that may actually go around, like, if they get, like, to have a work trip to China and they want to take the whole family with them or something, you know? Yeah, and that's it's like something that's excusable and then looked into. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. If you're single, you can take vacation whenever the fuck you want, right? Just yes. like you said. So everybody goes back to school in the beginning of August, and you can take a vacation over the end of August, you know, yeah. to anywhere in the U.S., and you're going to get cheaper rates, yep. you know, like... Your airline mileage is going to be less. You can do that in October, like you said. Yeah. You know what is the fun thing because of all the people listening that are from Texas? You can do so much in the motherfucking fall if you are not spending your time around football. Yep. <laughs> There's so many fall activities that nobody does in Texas because, hey, it's not really fall. It's still summer, like, 2.0. Yes. 3.0, let's be real. And then... <laughs> and then you know, they're all going to football games. Like, everyone in graduated with that. A&M is like, oh, I got season tickets. Oh, we got a tailgate this weekend. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's out of town. We're going to the bar to watch A&M football. It's like, great, guys. Gig them. But, like, also, fuck me. Like, I don't want to sit around and watch football all the time. I love football, but, like, like I don't even- love football that much. It's not my fucking personality, and it's not my goddamn life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much cool shit to do in the fall. If you just came to Colorado, you could actually be outside in the fall. Holy fuck balls. Is that real? <laughs> it's real. It's real. You could do that in the summer here, right? We've been doing that. Oh, We're, yeah. like, fucking tan and tired because of the sunshine, but it's nice. It is nice. I For the first summer, I think since I've been, like, 10... I actually enjoy sitting outside. 
Like, I'm not beholden to the air conditioning. Yeah. Which is mind-boggling to me. But that's a whole other topic that has nothing to do with time off. I know, but (laughs) yeah, no, usually in corporate America, it starts at like two weeks. Um, Unfortunately, corporate America is some kind of like some type of bullshit, like some type of way. Sorry for my phone still on. Um, (laughs) But like they, they do two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So for where I was, it was two weeks until your five years of service, three weeks after five years of service. Um, and then you get four weeks at 10 years of service and then you get five weeks at 20 years of service. Yeah. And that's about where they cap it, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they give any more than six weeks. And I'm pretty sure that like everywhere else in the world starts at five weeks of vacation, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and it's just like, ugh, that's so frustrating. There are companies out there right now that give quote unquote unlimited vacation days, unlimited paid time off. <laughs> you say that, but a lot of those companies have a culture that makes it almost impossible for you to actually take any vacation days. So at some places, you know, like you'd be remiss to try to get all two weeks in, you know, like ugh, the, the best part is the people who are going to use the most of their vacation are the people that are so young that don't have a lot of work because the company still doesn't trust them to do shit. You know, and like, don't have a lot of responsibility. They will come back and maybe have a week of emails worth of stuff to talk about if they've been gone for two weeks, you know, but likelihood, they've got like 10 emails to get through when they get back, you know, after being gone for like a week. Yeah. And they don't get to use all of that time. They're, like, dying to use more vacation days, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the people that have five weeks or more don't ever fucking leave, Mm-mm. you know? Because they're all super senior, you know? They're, they've yeah. got 20-plus years. They're in senior-level positions. Their life is their job. And, like, their family probably doesn't talk to them anymore because their life <laughs> is their fucking job, you know? Like, I, that's mean to say, but it's probably true. So it's just a... It's an interesting fact of life, but it's something, I mean, you definitely need to look at it, but you want to know the culture of the, like, how the company manages its vacation, not just how much vacation they give you. And also, if you keep changing companies, this is another thing. So that hierarchy was, like... Same company. Well, that yeah, that's the same company. So if you're going anywhere else, you start back at square one unless you negotiate differently. So you have to know that your company is set up and you can negotiate, okay, you know, I have, because it's happened to me, I have eight years of experience walking into this company. So I know I'm not set for four weeks yet. I asked for four weeks. I got told no. What I did not ask for was that my vacation day started at the starting date of my last company rather than a different time period. Because if I had done that, I would have gotten switched over when I reached 10 years of experience rather than 10 years of service, right? And so I was going to be stuck at three weeks for like at least three more years, you know, even though I didn't need to be. Right. So like at least three years longer than I would have if I'd have been with the same company, I guess, or if I had negotiated that like HR start date for vacation, which is a weird thing to have to ask for, but you need to be like, hey, for the HR start date for my vacation service, I need it to stay X, Y, and Z date. That's 
Excellent advice. But it, um, it's hard to negotiate. Cause, and also, I didn't know to do it, right? Like, how do you ask for that? Like, that sounds a weird thing. I think you literally just have to ask like sure, that. Yeah, I want my HR date for my vacation starting to be this, at least this year. I don't care what date you put on it. Like, yeah. at least this calendar year. But anyway, that's one of the things. The other one's sick leave or like paid time off, right? Like that, like separate from your vacation days. Yeah. Um, companies do weird things with those days. Yeah. Like some of them you have to actually be sick. Some of them they've started calling it PTO, yes. but it's intended to be for sick days. But they don't want to talk about like having you call in and being like, <laughs> I think I have the black lung pop, you know, yeah. like they don't want you calling in pretending to be sick. They want doctor's notes. Well, some, yeah, some of them do. They're calling them occurrences. Like you can only have so many occurrences throughout the years and then, throughout the year. And then it's like, each occurrence can be up to three days without a doctor's note. It's really strange. That's that's a company, you know, one of the chemical plants in Texas that's doing that. They're calling it occurrences. And then after so many days, it's... it's three. It was always three. three. If yeah. you're if you're out for more than three days being <laughs> sick, you had to have a doctor's note that said that you were out for three days yes. because of the same thing and or this is when you can come back to work. Yes, bingo. Um, yeah, I, I remember that. We did have yeah, to have okay. that, too. It was really strange. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to calling it and going, I got the black lung pop, whatever you called it. Black lung pop. That's I'm not feeling so great. But really, I'm gonna, just going to go out of town on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's from, like, Zoolander. But, like, yeah, as you call it Monday, I have the flu. It's like, it sounds like you had a really tough weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what we call a hangover. But, okay, come back tomorrow. Enjoy your day off. But, like, people like it's becoming more widely accepted too that people need mental health days they're not going to be full-fledged sick they're just like not fucking doing it you know like and that's not because they're lazy or anything like that like there are days I just can't fucking function you know and like those are not good days for me to try to put on you know all my hair and makeup and show up in like fucking corporate like world look and be like hey, so blah, 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 let's talk about this deadline and all these things. And, the, you know, if that happens, like, people start calling me, I'm going to be like, ah, ah, yeah. ah, ah, and I'm going to, like, close my door and, like, turn off my phone and I'm going to be like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And, like, why do you want me at work for that day? What a waste mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. I could be at home resting, hiding, you know, like, with my pillow over my head or watching Game of Thrones and then, like, come in the next day and I can be like, oh, I missed these calls. Let me get to that, you know, like... No problem, I have you. Let me deal with all of the things. But, like, yesterday, I was a psychopath mess, you know? Like, I need some time off. So I think that's becoming very, very common. It is becoming more accepted, but you do have to watch who you say it to. Like, if I had told that to my last boss, hey, I need to take a mental health day, that man would have, like... Well, I mean, I got laid off anyway, probably, at his recommendation, so I don't think he really appreciated much of how I saw the world anyway, but he really would have lost more respect for me if I had said I need a mental health day today. If I'd have said that to my own dad, he'd be like, the fuck are you talking about, yeah. you know? like Those boomers were you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's boomer life, especially the, the like, because there's two camps of boomers. I've seen it, you know? I've seen it. Um, there's the ones that really don't believe in mental health for shit, and they think that you just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, because your bootstraps have everything to do with your serotonin levels. 
<laughs> and then there's the ones that over-medicated their kids in the 90s, right? They, they over-subscribed to the whole idea. But um, generally speaking, especially um, like men in their, you know, 60s, 50s, 40s that are still like all of our bosses, they're not going to really believe most of that. No. Like, for the most part, I don't want to say it's hashtag all men. <laughs> it's not. It's not all men. Uh, you're not going to hear some, me say that a lot, but in this particular case. Yeah, and there are women, too, and they just subscribe to that partly because... Culture. Cu- yeah, it's a culture thing, and it's also kind of a compete for man's attention thing, but that's another podcast, too. So, all right, we'll move on. The next one was, like, medical leave and maternity and all that stuff, paternity. Those are all things. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Just know what they are, yeah. um, and especially if you're looking to, like, maybe have babies... Look into what maternity leave looks like. Even if you're not expecting to try to have children, you know, like, look into that. I mean, and now we all have to think about it, too, especially in these come. Like, if you go work in, in these, I was going to say countries, and it came out come. That's so weird. <laughs> A little Freudian slip there, man. <laughs> I mean, that's how you get there. But, <laughs> no, um, but if you're going to go work in these States that have outlawed abortion, you know, like if you're gonna go work there, then you need to understand what the maternity leave looks like at your company because even if you are not planning to have children, you need to know what your company is going to do in the off chance, hopefully off chance, that you wind up in a situation where you are going toe to toe with your state. Right? Right. Like, just, you just got to know. Like, you have to be super diligent about that. So look into it. Just know what the maternity leave is. And straight up, I mean, you can tell a company, I'm not going to come work for you because your maternity policy sucks. Like, you guys need to get that together because this is not friendly to women. They may not like you very much for it, but, you know, you may (laughs) actually probably don't tell people that. But if there's an HR person that seems like they're really, like, yeah really down to earth and want to be helpful, then do it with those people. But you can you can kind of tell the difference between HR people that are, o- like, overly fake and the ones that are, like, actually there trying to help. I think the best advice I got from HR maternally, once upon a time, um, in a, and years long ago, there was an opportunity, you know, a chance that I might have had a kiddo. P.S. I don't have kids. Um, but the advice given to me in my world, and if you're in education or, if you're in, you know, if your company's like this, you're only allowed six weeks maternity leave. But if you subscribe to a short-term disability maternity plan, you get another additional six weeks also with some income supplement there. So oh, yeah. ask about that. You know, if you know you're if you know going into this benefit cycle that you're going to be trying for a kid, you need to ask that question. Is you know, what is my year, how many weeks do I get maternity leave paid, obviously? And then what is my additional time can I have a short-term disability policy right policy so there it's there yeah because right? you need like half time or something like yeah. that before and and then there's another thing is like they can't I don't remember exactly there's a certain number of weeks or months that you can be gone that the like federally speaking your job is covered but yeah, yeah. you don't have to get paid during that time yeah yeah that's FMLA, FMLA. yeah, yeah family yeah. medical leave yeah, act or something like it. that so well, that like, expires through your, I think that's the six weeks. When it goes away from maternity leave, then you that's when that short-term disability kicks in and some, right. of, some of that pay that you weren't getting. Right. So you get maternity leave, which is full paid off. Some, some companies. Or, some companies or 75, and then you got like this short-term, which is less, 
of your salary, but still partially paid. Yes. And then you can still be, you know, on FMLA. Yes. And be away, but you won't be getting paid during right. that time. But, but you will still have a job yes. when you get back. Yes. So those are things to look into Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Um, and just for, again, reference for the rest of the world, a lot of European countries give an entire year off. And also a lot of companies in the European area, um, you know, Europe, Northern, you know, Northern, Eastern Europe, all of those places. I don't know. So I'm thinking of like Finland and Sweden. What is that? Scandinavia. God, this is why I script myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but especially like up in Scandinavia, they like split the time for like dads and moms. Yes. So like dads can take off six months for maternity mm-hmm. leave, paternity leave, excuse mm-hmm. me. Men really hate when we refer to them as women things. <sighs> but that's a whole other thing too. So. <laughs> yeah. So worth looking at. Definitely know what yeah. your policies are, yeah. even if you're not expecting to get pregnant. Because if you get yourself into a space where you're feeling like, culturally excited, happy to be there. You feel like you're doing meaningful work and then you get pregnant and they're like, yeah, you need to be back in the office in two weeks or else you're fucking gone, bitch. Like, that sucks. Like, you don't want to have signed up for something where you thought you were being taken care of and then you reach a point in your life where they've decided not to take care of you, like, company-wise. So, yeah. So the next one was bonuses. Get that. <laughs> I'm gonna let you take the reins on that one. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, there the big one there is like you can get bonuses in a lot of different ways. There are sign-on bonuses, relocation bonuses. So those are pretty self-explanatory. Like when you decide to take a job, they'll be like, "Oh, we'll give you an extra ten grand. Also, we'll help you sell your house, you know, in Houston and move you to Albuquerque, and we'll set you up with a relocation package, and we'll pay closing costs on your house." Relocation is really fucking legit if you can get it. Now, if you don't have a house, they can give you like an apartment to apartment package. It's usually going to be a lot less money, but that's okay. And if they don't give you a relocation, but they're willing to hire you from a different place, you can also negotiate a sign-on bonus that covers your relocation. So something on the order of like $7,500 to $10,000 is usually what you're looking at if you're like a full-blown adult with a lot of shit, you know? But, like, if you're, like, a baby right out of college, you can probably get away with just five grand. But, you know, if you want to negotiate for ten or whatever just to have a sign-on bonus, then by all means, sister, like, have at it, right? What a blessing that, you know, you guys have that opportunity to negotiate. You You can. You can negotiate almost everything. That's nice. But it doesn't mean you're going to win at any of it. They might just be like, nope, can't do it. And you're going to be like, well, I I still want this job. Yeah. I was was at no when I walked in the door. I just thought I'd ask. (laughs) It's always a no if you don't ask. That's right. So that's that's the biggest piece of that. I am not a a master negotiator. Mm -mm. I need to do better. That's not a strong point for this, except for if you're listening and you're going to give me a job. I'm an amazing negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a really great negotiator, and I need to work better on that, but, you know, it's a thing. So, um, let's see, then we've got, like, merit bonuses. Those can happen. It's, mo- it's usually merit raises is more of a thing. Bonuses are... Um, Like, they'll target to give you a certain percentage of your salary, and then based on how well you did and how well the company did, they'll, like, give you some percentage. Like, that's how it's always been done where I've worked. Um, So just knowing what those percentages are, how they calculate it, that's just kind of what you want to look at. But you can't really do anything about it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, one of the big ones is like restricted stock. So if they give you restricted stock when you're there, it's because they're trying to retain you. It's a retainer. They Because restricted stock is set up so that they'll give you a certain value, like say, Back when Eagleford was like first booming and they wanted us to stay with the company, like they'd give us like 25 grand in like restricted stock, but the stock price changes. So they gave you, they, they developed a value, right? They said $25,000 and then they're like, how many stock units does it take to give her $25,000? So whatever that number was, let's say it was 400 at the time. I'm making bullshit up right now because I don't know. Let's say 300 because this is going to be an easier math for me to do. <laughs> they would say, like, so my company was like, you're vested, you know, you, you vest in a third of it after a year. You'll vest in the second third of it after two years, and you'll be fully vested after three years. Some companies won't vest you at all. They'll be like, you're, you've got three years, and then it's all yours, you know. But, like, 100 units would have been vested in the first year. So if I left the company after, like, a year and four days... I would be able to take 100 units of stock with me when I left, but the other 200 units, would I would be leaving those, right? And so the company gets it back and gets to just throw it back into their mix and go sell it somewhere else um, if they wanted to. So they just get money back, right? But I'd be leaving money on the table. And so one of the things you can ask for as a sign-on bonus is say, look, I want to come work for you. This sounds like a really amazing opportunity, but I've got two years of unvested restricted stock units on the order of, let's see, $24,000, so $16,000, right? I've got $16,000 that I would be leaving on the table if I walked away right now. And so they would basically come back, usually, when if they hear about restricted stock, they'll say, you know what, we'll vest you $16,000 vested in two years in stock, and they'll give that to you so that you can walk away without feeling uncomfortable, but you also have the same kind of restriction on that stock amount that you were leaving, right? So they'll do that usually, but you also, again, have to let them know what your like your setup is. Um, some places ask you. I've had people ask me before. Nice. But anyway, so that's one of those things. Restricted stock is great. Um that 25, like, quote, I, th I don't remember how much it was, but 25 grand is, like, roughly the order it started at. By the time I ended up um, getting it vested and then moving it over to, you know, like, I, I just, I had lost, like, something like $3,000 of unrealized gains and, like, the company's stock was tanking. And this is after I had been fully vested and I just sat, had all this company stock and it just kept losing money. And I had to work with a financial advisor and he's like, we're going to just cut our losses on this one because even though, yes, you could make this money back eventually, you could sell it and make it back faster with other stocks. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, more of an investing strategy kind of conversation. But yeah, it's one of the, that's where gamblers get lost, right? That's that pot committed thing yeah. I was talking to you about earlier. It's like you're feeling pot committed. You've spent so much time and effort into this one stock. And you walk you want to see it, it through, yep. right? But the reality is you, like being pot committed is a fallacy. You should walk away, cut your losses, look somewhere else for a better investment, you know? But anyway, so restricted stock is cool, but it's it's there as a retainer bonus. You know, it's meant to keep you there with the company, keep you loyal. So that's what that does. 
Um, then we have tuition reimbursements. This is one of the biggest things that millennials look for. Um, but it doesn't help for student loans. You know, it's not like it's, they're going to give you a tuition reimbursement on school you've already completed. But if there is something that you want to go to school for, like your MBA, like I'm doing right now, and the company sees value in you getting that education for the company while you're doing it, you can apply through the company and then you would pay for your semester and then you would give them your grades. You have to maintain like a certain grade point average in order to get reimbursement. And then at the end of the, like once your grades come in, they'll give you a reimbursement on the previous like semester or previous quarter. So you still have to have the money to go to school. Um, but usually the company, some like some companies can offer reimbursement opportunities. So that is something to look forward to. Like if you're wanting to go back to school for like, I don't know, a master's in engineering like if you're an engineer and that's you go to school and you want to get a master's in engineering after you've been in like, you know, the company for a while and you think, yeah, man, I really want to be a technical expert. I want to know all about centrifugal pumps. Like that's my fucking jam. More power to you because that is not my excitement level. But Which, you can go back to school and the, they can help you. Tuition reimbursement, is there some kind of like, um, let's just say we, we reimburse your master's degree, you get your master's degree in centrifugal force or whatever it is you said. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're an amazing pump expert Do, now. Now, you know, are you committed to that company for a duration of time? Usually about two years. Okay. Yeah, at least that's the ones that I've seen tend to be about two years. And kicker is... You're free to leave. You're not committed to the company. You gotta pay that money. But you gotta pay that money back in full the day you decide to walk out the door. Wow. That is some hefty money because that's like, what, $65,000, $100,000, you know? Like, yeah, we got that sitting around. Cool. Mm -mm. Unless you're a trust fund baby, in which case, you know, like, yeah, get the company to try to reimburse you, but like, like, I'm never going to say no to getting money back if it if it's beneficial. Like, if you can get money back from a company, like, definitely do it. Yeah. But. Um, know your restrictions. Yeah, know what you're you're signing up for, for sure. So, good point. Thank you. You're welcome. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned company equity before. I don't know a whole lot about this, but basically, instead of giving you, like, restricted stock, that's for, like, a mature company that's publicly traded, right? You, the, they could give you a percentage of the company if you're at a startup. They could be like, oh, we'll give you 5% of the company revenues. you know. But startups generally post losses for the first two, three years. So you don't get a bonus. You're not getting raises. You might not even be making money. You know, like officially speaking, this podcast is a startup. I ain't making shit off of it. You know, <laughs> like in all reality, I don't even have a company bank account set up yet. That's like to do after the season ends. But, um, yeah, I mean, I personally now, right now, I have 100% company equity because I am my only person for right. this company. But if I were to go to work for somebody else's great idea, you know, they might be like, hey, come on board as this such and such, like, role. We'll give you 5% of the company if we, you know, post losses in the next five years. And then we'll give you, like, X, Y, and Z if you stay on for something else or whatever. All great ideas. Um, but it is, if you are, you know... Counting on having a bird in the hand, let's say, if you're counting on having money now, um, that bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. You might make a shit ton of money in the future with this company, but if you need, like, 
if you need something right this second, that's not going to help you any. So you have to really recognize what you're signing up for. Um, yeah. I guess the only other thing here is like the raises, right? We've got merit raises and then we've got other raises. So other raises make sense. You've done a really great job. Somebody gives you something. But there's like the annual. Yeah, well, they yeah they do that. They, they do an annual cost of living raise usually where they'll give you your performance review and then they'll be like, you're like on a scale of one to three or a scale of one to five, you're like the top person. Let's just say one is the top and three is the lowest because everybody does their things differently, right? Right. Like where I worked, two was like 80% of the company and then like 5% was a one, which is the top. And then there were threes, which is like the bottom 15% or something. And those people generally got put on like performance plans and like and or got let go. Um, And they usually aren't getting like an annual like anything. (laughs) Yeah, they're usually not getting shit, unfortunately. They're going to be lucky that they keep their job and that's like... Honestly, if you get to be a like a low thing, start like brush up your resume and start looking for jobs because they're already looking for a reason to get rid of you. Yeah. I think like at that point, like they might be like giving you a performance improvement plan, but usually like there's a lot of communication that's missing and they don't fucking know how to talk to you about that. You know, like because especially if they surprise you and you don't realize you're gonna be that low, like brush up your resume and just go find something new because if you didn't know that you were having problems at work until they told you at your performance review annually that means they aren't communicating to you like you can't be successful if they're not going to tell you where you're fucking up and if they tell you yeah this one time six months ago you said such and such to Teresa and she thought that was kind of bitchy and that's why you know we don't like your attitude here at the office and you need to improve your attitude or something like that if it's something like you know, like, if it's something, like, so long ago, there's nothing you can fucking do. And you yeah. could have walked in every single day and been a bitch to Teresa for the six months after that because she was a hoe bag to you earlier and, like, whatever. But, like, now you've got six months of, like, you have a bad attitude because Teresa said so. Well, Teresa's a cunt bag. Like, <laughs> sorry, I know that's not um, an American word, but the Australians use it all the time, so I'm going to just roll with that. I like it. Teresa's mean. You know, we don't like Teresa, but Teresa is sucking somebody's dick in the office, and so Teresa is the one everybody listens to, like, Damn figuratively or, or, you know, literally. I don't know if the, what the difference is, but anyway, I'm making up stories at this point, but you know what I mean? I like. Do. Just get out. Like, if you're at a three, look for something new. Don't try to improve your performance with that company. It's not a cultural fit, no matter what they tell you. That's correct. So, and it's not it's not necessarily you unless you're a lazy ass, you know? Like, But, yeah, so generally, like, people who are in the mid-range, they're going to get, like, a 2 two to 3% raise. And then, like, 4, like, People who are above that are going to get probably 4% raise or something. Now, I read something the other day. This had to do with um, uh, one of my classes for school. And it's actually, like, if you're giving a performance raise somewhere along the lines of, like, um, you know, 2.5% to 3.5%, it's not actually a raise. That's just a cost of living increase. Um, and especially now, I think everybody has figured out that inflation is so fucking high that like three and a half percent after last year. It's a joke. Yeah, if you get three and a half percent like next year when you get your, 
you know, cost of living increase, your company is paying you less. Yeah, absolutely. They're paying you a lot less. Um, so, or they're offsetting another, they're offsetting something that you're out that went up in their world and they're just offsetting a cost for you. It's dumb. Yeah. But I mean, it's not, it's not something like, that's not really a raise. And this, no. this article that I read, it basically said, if you're not getting like a zero to 12% raise, it's not like, if you're not giving out like your top performers, like up to like, like 10 to 12%. Like, and maybe your mid-range performers, like five to seven, five to eight, five to nine, then you're not actually giving them raises at all. And so you don't really need to be sitting there calling them merit raises. They're not raises. They're just merit cost of living adjustments. And so I thought that was really interesting. All of my HR friends are probably like putting their fingers in the ears going, la, 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 I didn't hear that. (laughs) Like, don't tell people that. We don't want them to know. You got to know. I mean, yeah. I mean, but as far as being the employee, you need to know that. HR's job is to make sure the company is going to stay afloat as far as managing its people resources. But like, you know, some of that has to come down to dollars and cents. So they don't want people to ask for any more than than they can get away with giving them, right? And so that's fine. That's what HR is intended to do. But it pits HR people against the rest of the workers because the rest of the workers are looking at inflation going at, what, what's it at, like 8.5%, like whatever it is today. <laughs> 10%. Yeah, like by the end of the year, what's it going to be, like 40% or some shit like that? Like who fucking knows? But if you're not getting that same level of a raise – you're getting paid less than you were last year by dependent, you know, some percentage that I can't calculate because I don't know what they're going to give you. But yeah, you just got to know. So just know what their target is. Know how they manage like with inflation. That's a great question to ask when you're talking to them in an interview. Like, how is your company handling, you know, annual cost of living adjustments now considering how high inflation has gotten? Yep. I mean, that's a really great question to ask. Really, it's it's fair. It's within your range and your right to know as you're looking for a role. So if you decide to say yes to them, you don't want to sit back and be like, but you told me that I was going to get a fair wage and fair to me was going to be on par with inflation. And now you're giving me 3% when everybody knows inflation was 12%. You know, like, that's not fair. That's a joke. And I'm leaving, and this is, shouldn't be a surprise to you because you guys broke your word. Yep. You know, like at least at least know what to ask for that. So I don't know, April. Do you know anything else that we should talk about? Any any other types of benefits we haven't really touched on, or just be cognizant every year, each year, like what what they're paying, what you're paying, what's coming out of your paycheck. You know, just. Just know what you're paying for. That's yeah. the best advice I can give you. Just don't say, oh, I want plant eggs. It looks good. And, and that vision and that. And yes, yeah, help me out for all them extra policies. Like nine times out of ten, you don't need all the 15 extra supplemental policies. You oh, know? yeah. You know, so Most of just, the time you don't because they're just yeah. more money that you have to pay. Yeah. So just be, I mean, that's the best advice I can give you. Just be cognizant of what you're paying for. Yeah. And, you know, get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. That's it from this elder lady. april thank you for joining me on today's podcast you're welcome um that's yeah that's the high level of the benefits um so if you guys have anything that you think that we missed today um or if there's anything we talked about you want to know more about um 
I'm in the process of planning for many seasons in the future. So please hit up the email, the Instagram, Facebook, leave a comment, let me know. Um, and remember, this is basically finances 101. So we're doing high level this season, right? So we've talked about what there is and kind of a few like key pieces. But, you know, because we got to start somewhere. But like, let me know if you need any more info. I'm happy to go dig into that for you guys. So next episode, I'm going to spend some time talking about um, a really big financial trap that I see women fall into all the time and how to spot it. And I'm talking about pyramid schemes and multi-level marketing. Girls, with all due respect, if we haven't talked in five years or more, I don't want to join your weird consignment store on Facebook. I don't want your lotions. I don't want your makeup or your jewelry. I don't want to hear how you manage to become your own boss. Like... This isn't a dig at people trying to make money, I promise. But, you know, I would be fine if you wanted to host a prostitution ring out of your house. Okay, don't do that. It's not safe. But, like, how you make your money, that's your business. I just want to make sure that however you make your money, it's not actually a ploy by somebody else to steal your money instead. So a couple weeks from now, we'll dig into that. But until then... Thanks again to April for joining us today and may all your mimosas on your bank accounts always be bottomless. Cheers. This has been Let Them Eat Avocado Toast brought to you by Camex LLC. Any questions, comments, concerns, or requests for consultation should be directed to our email at lte.avo.toast at gmail.com. All sources used for this podcast are available upon request. All opinions expressed in this podcast are the express opinions of the host and do not represent the opinions of Camex LLC. All music used is stock music from GarageBand by Apple. Kristen Atherton and Camex LLC remind you to please drink responsibly. <laughs>